Good afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. And welcome to another edition of Walk the Talk with Kim presents the Pearson Law Hour with Michelle Pearson, your host. Michelle, good afternoon. Good to have you back. Hi, Eric. It's nice to be here. Thank you. So what are we going to talk about on this exciting hour? Uh, We have a little of a potpourri going this afternoon. I thought I'd talk about a few different things. Um, I had a whole show kind of scheduled out in my mind. But on the way here, I sort of got inspired about something else. And then when I saw you, I decided to add another little piece. So we're going to be talking about um, tort litigation uh, out in the real world. Uh, You know, the um, issues of what happens when uh, people are hurt by others. Um, sort of in a general sense. I'm going to talk a little bit about ethics. Um, this was my brainstorm on the way here. And uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, address, was um, something that I don't do in my practice, but I have done in the past, which is help people with wills. And um, I try to talk about it in a very public venue at least twice a year because it's one of those things like getting your tires rotated or getting your oil changed or making sure you have new batteries in your smoke detectors, all that sort of thing. Important maintenance that we don't necessarily give that much thought to. Right. You know, you you step out of bed in the morning and you go and do your day Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things take your attention from a very short list of things that should be on, I wouldn't call it a bucket list, but an absolute to-do list. And one of those things is to have a will. So, All right. Very good. Well, I do want to say hi to Lindsay, the uh, Walk the Talk with Kim intern, who is uh, joining us here once again. Uh, good afternoon. And hi. Thanks for joining us on the show. I, I wanted to say hi to you in case you wanted to chime in with questions of your own. Uh, we kind of have like a uh, three generations uh, thing going here uh, in the studio. Um, so we've get uh, perspectives, uh, I think, from uh, all different age range here, which is always nice on a conversation, I think. I think so, too. And that's why I asked uh, Lindsay to come, too, because as I've been taught by you and by Kim, that conversation makes the best radio. And many times I have found that standing here talking about something that is like you know, trying to eat roofing shingles. It's just (laughs) incredibly boring unless someone can remind me that it's either complicated or it's Mm -hmm. confusing or there's something that they actually know about the issue or the subject. It always makes it much more interesting, and I think it helps listeners to become more involved. Well, it's interesting for me because I got to say that uh, I have not planned my will yet, and I'm going to Go out on a limb and guess that Lindsay probably hasn't planned her will yet either. She's kind of young. So (laughs) something uh, to do maybe with, you know, getting some assets before you bequeath them to to people when you're young. It's uh, your asset level is probably not that high. Well, we'll talk about that. (laughs) I have some um, some guidelines for that. Um, So the first thing I'm going to actually, if if it's okay with you, and I know you're very good at 
thinking on your feet, even though you're sitting most of the time when I see you. Um, <laughs> I, I can stand if that makes you more comfortable. <laughs> I uh, wanted to know what your impression was of a of a DVD that I gave you a couple of months ago to look at, which is a documentary about famous um, tort litigation, famous damage cases, and it's called Hot Coffee. Yeah, and I would love to hear what you had what, what you thought about it. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I found it to be uh, very edifying. Uh, if I'm honest, it was a little bit depressing uh, because it seems like, uh, you know, this is something that should have a little more balance in America. But it seems like one side has really just kind of won this um, without the other side. Uh, And I'm talking about uh, corporate interests, I think, in in the case that uh, they're uh, putting restrictions on uh, lawsuits you know, so that they can't be held accountable for their actions in, in quite the way that they have always been in this country. So uh, I, I recommend it for people. It's, uh, you know, very interesting. And uh, the, the I should say the um, the title, Hot Coffee, refers to the famous case. And I think we, we talked about this a little bit last time you were on the show of the, uh, the elderly woman that spilled McDonald's coffee uh, in her lap. And then sued. And, you know, it became a national media spectacle and one of these things that was held up as, see, this is why we need, quote unquote, tort reform, because there's all these frivolous lawsuits. But then people didn't actually get the real facts of the case, which, which was how severely burned she was. The fact that she wasn't driving a car, she was sitting in the parking lot and their cup basically melted in her lap and these sorts of things. And the fact that McDonald's had like a thousand uh, uh, warnings uh, or uh, complaints um, and they didn't do anything about the how hot the coffee was. And the coffee was extremely hot, like, you know, boiling. Uh, So it really shouldn't have been anything that was being served to people at that point. But all she had asked for was, you know, help with her medical bills. And they refused her even that. And so she didn't ask for the millions of dollars uh, that was uh, awarded to her. But the jury decided that because McDonald's was so flagrantly just, we don't care, you know, um, uh, with about their actions, the, the jury decided to punish McDonald's because of that. Right. And uh, so it's interesting how that whole thing got twisted in everybody's mind to be like this, oh, this crazy old lady sued them and won the lottery, basically, because she was being careless, which yeah. is not not really the case at all. No, it wasn't the case at all. And and thank you so much for, for talking about it that way. There are so many cases like that that, um, as you say, get twisted and in it, or they get um, <clears throat> sort of uh, truncated into these little sound bites mm-hmm. as though the sound bite is all there is to know. Right. and there isn't anything else beyond that. And like I've said before, any attorney in my situation who's faced with a client coming in saying they've been hurt by someone else, we are not interested in spinning our wheels on something that has absolutely no merit. Right. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There are there are people who, do, I don't know if you've ever watched Breaking Bad, but there's in that show, there's a crazy lawyer called... Uh-huh. Uh, Saul Goodman. It's a made-up name. He thought it would be a great sort of moniker. And he'll do anything for a dollar. But he's a caricature. And 
As the I classic said, example of the ambulance chaser. If exactly, you will. Yeah. exactly. So, um, you know, like I said, 99% of attorneys out there are honest and will give people the real skinny on mm-hmm. whether or not they have a case. And in some situations, like the hot coffee, the McDonald's issue that you talk about, that case, but for the fact that someone just went to bat for that woman. Right. Things would be very different in McDonald's right now. Maybe mm-hmm. they would be exactly the same, and maybe we'd be talking about a, a child. Or, More, you know. yeah. So that's entirely possible. So anyway, thank you. And, I, I and the film curious. was really interesting because I thought with the title and with all the graphics and stuff that come with it that it was going to just focus on that case, but it actually focuses on a number of cases that have kind of gotten spun uh, and you know and, and and held up as cases that. You know, look at this. This is frivolous. And but when they examine the facts, they weren't full frivolous at all. Right. You know. Right. So and that that part was the part that I found kind of depressing that there were so many cases like this where things were being manipulated to change the public's mind. Well, I'm so glad you watched it. Thank you. And I'm going to pleasure. Keep passing Thanks for it sharing on. that with me. You're welcome. You're welcome. In fact, um, passing passing things on is something else that I want to talk about at the wrap up. But um, so just for those people who don't know what movie we're talking about, it's Hot Coffee. It's a documentary that was uh, the grand jury prize winner at the Seattle Film Festival. I believe it was last year. might have been the year before. Um, it uh, is the an official selection by the Sundance Film Festival, and it is um, made by docudrama. I'm sorry, docurama films. Uh, so uh, I... Heartily endorse it. I believe I mean, HBO has shown it, and it is occasionally popping up at movie theaters still. In fact, the, oh the day that it, that arrived in the mail from you, uh, they were doing a free showing at the Grand in Tacoma. Uh, oh. So, you know, it, it is out there and popping huh. up, so hopefully more and more people are seeing it. Okay, well, great. That's kind of a segue. I know we don't have too much time till our first break, but um, the segue that I wanted to make was into ethics. Um and I have come across, as you might imagine, a lot of issues with clients sometimes who you hope are telling you the whole truth and nothing but the truth uh, when you first become involved. Um, but that's not always the case. Uh, and, you know, failure of ethics can cause problems all over the place. And the thing that happened on the way here uh had to do with uh, a young person who's interviewing at my firm for a job. And um, it has come to my attention that she has falsified her resume. (laughs) So um, I wanted to talk to you guys about what you think about that kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's interesting that that still happens when people can so easily research these things nowadays. Right. You know, it used to be the case where... That would have required a lot of, you know, uh, phone calls and stuff. And and uh, you could probably get away with kind of fudging the facts. But nowadays you can kind of Google stuff and, mm-hmm. and find out or send, a, you know, a couple emails out and, and get a pretty quick response. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would never do that. But yeah. what, do, what do you think about falsifying information on, on a resume, Lindsay? I think it's so wrong because, like you guys said, it's so easy to figure out what the actual truth is, and then that's just a complete black X through me. Mm-hmm. Completely, forever. 
and ever, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the what, 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 what am I trying to say? Um, let me put my dentures back in my mouth. Um, you don't I, actually have dentures, so. No, I don't, <laughs> but I'm stumbling over my words. Um, <clears throat> what seems to me is that that person has already proven to me that she cannot be trusted. Whether or not I f- could find out easily or a more in a more difficult way, what she's already shown to me is that she's willing to put me and my firm at risk. Right. That she would lie another time. And, right. you know, not that she would have no moral compunction about it, but if it's that squishy, it's that ambiguous for her, uh-uh, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, I mean, especially with a law firm, when you're working, you know, within the the, the very definition of working within the letter of the law, you know, to <laughs> to lie or exaggerate like that, really uh, just a bad idea. And, you know, obviously not the right thing to do because there's people out there that have worked really hard to get where they are. And then suddenly you're going to leap in front of them, uh, you know, as, as far as a job candidate by just lying. That's, you know, unethical, as you say, immoral, to say the least. And in this case, the the, the lie would definitely put her ahead of the other candidates. Mm-hmm. It, it is a that's an interesting thing that you t- touched in on, because this particular made up fantasy really does put her way ahead of other candidates who wouldn't have that same thing on their resume. So anyway, are we, how are we doing on time? Well, it looks like we're about to take a break. So why don't we take the break? We'll come back. We'll get more of this discussion about uh, ethics, will planning, etc. When we come back here on the Pearson Law Hour. So everybody stay tuned. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, I'm Jerry Pearson, and with my wife, Michelle, we're local residents just like you who have a passion to help those who have been harmed or wronged in our communities. If you have a personal injury from a car crash or a property hazard, an industrial injury, a defective product, or nursing home neglect issue, the Pearson Law Firm can help you anywhere, anytime. Contact us today for a free case evaluation at 1-800-423-8473. That number again is 1-800-423-8473. Or check us out at walkthetalkwithkim.com. Mount Side Gymnastics Academy is now open in North Bend, offering gymnastics classes and summer camps to get your little ones and big ones moving this spring and summer. From recreation classes to competitive team, they have the gymnastics scene covered in the valley. Visit them online at www.mountsidegymnasticsacademy.com or call 425-292-3152. Get your kids flipping and twisting into summer. Remember the pink tow truck? It was a Seattle icon. But did you know the mastermind behind the marketing was also one of Seattle's successful entrepreneurs? Learn life lessons from Ed Lincoln by reading his new autobiography, Life Through the Rearview Mirror. Available at area bookstores and online, go to walkthetalkwithkim.com and click on the link. Hello, this is Kim Ariano of Walk the Talk with Kim. The reality is staggering. 
South Africa has one of the highest incidences of HIV AIDS in the world. This fact results in millions of orphans left in the care of other family members, friends, or fending for themselves in child-headed households. Focus on Atemba offers orphans and vulnerable children a new direction in life through loving foster care homes with committed parents and a real opportunity for a good education. Please consider sponsoring a child to receive the needed stability to change their world. Go to atembakids.org or follow the links from walkthetalkwithkim.com. Spread the word. You don't have to settle for the usual talk radio. Now there's Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Walk the Talk with Kim presents the Pearson Law Hour with your host, Michelle Pearson, who joins us once a month for this program. And we have got Lindsay, the intern, here as well. I'm Eric Ryder, uh, the announcer for the show. And Michelle, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So before we took our break, we were talking about ethics. Mm -hmm. and um, Maybe we should define ethics for people that don't have any. Not that anyone, anybody without ethics would be listening to the show, of course, because it's all about ethical living in a way. Uh, but uh, let's just put it out there. How do you define ethics? Well, I, I define ethics very simply. I define ethics, um, this is my own personal definition. I have no idea whether it exists anywhere, but in what I'm going to say out into the air right now, and that is that I do my best for other people on the planet. I try to take care of the planet. And I try to do things that are morally right, that they're correct, and that they um, support life. And I think that's that's about it. All right. Well, I I think that uh, kind of sums up, you know, uh, an ethical way of living. Uh, let's go to the dictionary for ethics, and they say, uh, and this is the uh, online dictionary. Uh, a system of moral principles, the ethics of a culture, for example, mm-hmm. or the rules of conduct, uh, conduct recognized in respect to a particular class of human actions or a particular group, culture, etc., medical ethics or Christian ethics. Right. Well, in the in the legal profession, I don't know, you, you each may know this. I don't know if you do, but in the legal profession in every state, there is a body of law. Uh, in the in the state of Washington, it is actually part of the revised code of Washington. It's statutory that attorneys must abide by a written set of guidelines, just as you read from the dictionary just now, Eric. That there is uh, there I've forgotten how many there are. There are about nine sections, and each section has between probably three and fifteen. So there's a hundred laws or something. And each of those talks about, um, you know, things ranging from attorney-client privilege to um, acts of dishonesty, including just a simple lie, uh, is is actually a violation of the rules of professional conduct in Washington. So um, if an attorney were to lie say, on a motion or to lie in open court, 
and that lie were discovered, it could be a big problem. Oftentimes, it goes completely under the wire. But part of the reason I wanted to talk about this was because I'm wondering if in the culture there is um, an upswing to adhering to ethics or uh, people who are starting to actually deny themselves, you know, ethical living by just making it easy to get through what would be an otherwise difficult passage. What do you think, Lindsay? Well, when you said that, I immediately thought of my own generation and people that I have gone to school with, and I can definitely see two different groups, those who are incredibly ethical and moral and will not budge on what they believe. And then there are the others who, you know, they may grow out of it eventually, but they're just like, oh, this is the easy way. I'm going to do this. Oh, this is the fun way. I don't care if that's true for you or not. I'm going to go do this because it's fun and mm-hmm. simple to do. Mm-hmm. And is that at other people's expense? Sometimes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, so ethical living is, as I believe, not only about keeping yourself, you know, clean, so to speak, but making sure that you're taking other people into consideration because um, an ethical slip up or error or undertaking can have so many repercussions. Yeah. Well, I I think there's in society, there's two uh, different things where there's the law and then there's ethics. And I I think a lot of the times those things, you know, connect, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they don't connect. And sometimes there's, you know, laws that are just patently ridiculous. And I think my generation has grown up with that kind of idea of what's really ethical and what's, you know, the law. And and I think sometimes because the law isn't necessarily ethical, um, it, it sometimes it gets people to question ethics in general, which I, I think is a bad thing. Um, but uh, hopefully, you know, we can all move forward and change laws to make them more ethical uh, as we see that kind of hypocrisy or, um, you know, counter... <laughs> counter things what like what do you i gotta change what, my dentures now because <laughs> i'm stumbling what, over my what we'll have opinion. to get a little set of dentures here for the for the console right <laughs> um like what are you talking about as uh things that's tell me more about what you're thinking well when i look at say how drug laws are applied in this country i mm. don't think they're necessarily based on ethics i i think they're you know they're they're based on maybe, you know, a good idea in that, uh, you know, abusing drugs uh, is a bad thing. But, you know, the way it's applied, you know, you've got more people in prison for uh, crimes like, you know, possessing marijuana. And then, you know, meanwhile, you've got white collar uh, criminals that are, you know, stealing and bankrupting companies and stuff like that and wiping out pensions and stuff. And they don't seem to be serving a, a, a prison sentence that's equal to, you know, that crime. So you see that kind of hypocrisy mm. a, in life, and it just seems, I don't know, uh, like maybe the ethics are, are not uh, evening up with what the law is. Mm. And, and, and there's other examples, but, 
you know, I'm thinking like sex laws, for instance, there's still like states where like being homosexual is illegal if you if you have a homosexual act, which is seems in this day and age to be just crazy. Right. But right. Uh, because, again, that's two consenting adults, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And the same thing with, say, marijuana use. I'm not endorsing that, but it doesn't seem like if that was legal, it would actually be hurting anybody, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, there's there's definitely a humongous imbalance. Yeah, and it sounds like maybe I should do a whole show on this at some point, and maybe bring in a couple of other people to talk about it. Sure, um, might I might investigate that and get some maybe some professors. There are some great medical ethics professors at the University of Washington. Right, um, perhaps some you know legal professor. I'll work on that. I think it's it's. Um, I think it could be very helpful and interesting. So, cool. Thank well, I you. look forward to that show. So um, let me, t- unless, Lindsay, you had anything to add to any of that? No? Not, not too terribly much. My generation's okay. still kind of growing out of the, woohoo, college, let's go party stage. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You got to no, have fun nothing, when you're young. Nothing unethical about that. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit in this uh, section about uh, end-of-life documents. And a lot of times people think that that is only a will. And I always recommend that people think about it as a, um, um, a, four, a set of four documents. A will, a, a health care directive, which people refer to also as a living will, which is a very poor name for it because it's confusing. People think. It's just confusing. So there's the will, there's the health care directive, there's the uh, power of attorney for health care, and a power of attorney for financial matters. And they all do completely and totally different things. And it's important for people to understand that they, in certain situations, need to have all four of them. So I want to talk about what they are. I want to talk about uh, how to get them done. I want to talk about what happens when they're when they're not done and something grave occurs. I also wanted to talk about um, how to have the conversations with people whom you love, who need to be doing this and haven't been doing it, Uh, and also how to organize the distribution and the safekeeping of those documents once they're completed. All right. So did you want to take a break and then come back and do that? <laughs> I just, I want to make sure I, I'm really trying to be good about time. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. We will take a break. We'll be back more, uh, back with more here on the Pearson Law Hour presented by Walk the Talk with Kim. Kim Ariano will be back next week. Everybody stay tuned. We'll get more into this discussion about proper planning as we come back here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Hi, I'm Jerry Pearson, and since 1977, 
We at the Pearson Law Firm have guided individuals and their families through the legal process to seek justice and restitution in insurance disputes and personal injury claims. At the Pearson Law Firm, we work hard to secure justice in civil matters with a network of resources, a wealth of experience, and a compassionate attitude. That's the Pearson Promise. Contact us at 1-800-423-8473. That's 1-800-423-8473 for a free case evaluation. Or check us out at walkthetalkwithkim.com. Do you wish you could train your brain to be more creative? ThinkShop can help. For 16 years, ThinkShop has trained individuals at Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, and nonprofits. Learn our proven process to think creatively and make great ideas happen. Our trainings are offered in person and online. Learn more at thinkshop.com. Are you stuck? Are you plagued by a toxic relationship? Are you frustrated with a lack of motivation? Workforce Evolution offers classes that explain why people behave the way they do and how to change patterns that wreak havoc on business and relationships in order to accelerate innovation and creativity. Go to WorkforceEvolution.com to find out how you can join a free class. That's WorkforceEvolution.com or call 425-888-9790. Write it down, shout it loud. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Now, wasn't that fun? And welcome back to Walk the Talk with Kim presents the Pearson Law Hour with your host, Michelle Pearson. Welcome back, Michelle. Thank you. So, uh, when we left our fearless team in the control booth, we were talking about um, wills and what they are and what they do. And uh, I thought I would ask you each to tell me what you think the purpose of a will is. And I'd like to start with Lindsay. Uh-oh. Um, That's okay. What I understand a will to be is um, sort of like a, a guidebook or directions for what you want your finances and your possessions to what, where you want them to go when you pass away and where you want them or what you want them to do and where you want them to go. Okay, great. I, I think Eric. that sums it up about as well as I could. Uh, I mean, keeping in mind that you can't take it with you because <laughs> if you could, that's what I'd probably Unless you're King do. Tut. Yeah, let's just King Tut take took it, it all with him. Right? Put it in my pyramid. Why not? <laughs> okay, so... That's good because it gives me a stepping stone to sort of um, uh, bounce from. So that's true. Uh, It is a document that is uh, constructed by someone who is, you've heard of sound mind, somebody who has the presence of mind to understand that uh, he or she is setting out a, a manual for those who are going to be left behind for the distribution of finances and possessions. But it also has another very, very important element, and this is super, super important for um, non-traditional couples who are not married, and that is for the distribution of remains or cremains. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
can cause a great deal of difficulty and trauma to a remaining partner in a gay, lesbian, um, bisexual, you know, a non-traditional couple where they can produce no marriage certificate um, for the distribution and the, um, the, the, the handling as per the, the deceased wishes for their remains. So that is something that's very, very important and should always be thought about before you decide you're not going to, you're not going to do it today. You're not going to do the will today. You're not going to do it tomorrow. You're not going to do it for two months. You're not going to do it for six months. You know, (laughs) I mean, you have to really be thinking about a number of things. One of them is, do you have stuff? Do you have kids? Do you have someone who needs to know something that without it in writing, they're going to run into a huge stumbling block and it's going to break their heart or it's not going to be what you would hope would have hoped for. So <clears throat> I know I, one of the, one of the shortcuts I always use is kids and stuff, kids and stuff. And it's kind of something I made up, but it it's helpful for me to sort of get people thinking because I'll give you a, a really good an example of why I say that. Um, I was at a workshop that I was doing on end-of-life documents about uh, maybe a year or a year and a half ago. And there was someone in the group, a younger woman. Um, she was under 40. Most of the rest of the people were older than that. And she said, I don't need a will because if something happens to me, everything's just going to go to my husband. It's a community property state. And I said, okay, that's true. So that's the first circle of disaster. I mean, you really have to think about it like that. You're like, okay, well, what if the worst happens? What am I going to do? Okay, so the next thing I asked her was, okay, what if you and your husband are on vacation together and you're both killed simultaneously? Hmm. What happens? Oh, well, oh, you know, and... I swear every time I ask this question to somebody who has that answer for me, they say, I would never want the kids to go to his family. Or the man says, I would never want the kids to go to her family. And sure enough, there's this light goes on and they're like, holy smokes. You mean for, uh, you know, between $1,000 and $3,000, we could get this all settled just in case the worst possible thing happens and our children are orphaned? We could actually settle this now, and I don't have to ever think about it again. And until you hold that up to people, they they just don't think about it that way because people, human beings, are primarily, for the most part, optimists. And they want to believe that every day, like I was saying before, they get stand up out of bed, they go to brush their teeth, they get, you know, onto the bus or the car or wherever, and they're going to work, they're doing, you know, going to school. And they think, you know, I mean, it's all like a friend of mine said to me the other day, we are engaged in perpetual denial all day that anything bad is going to happen. But can you do something to prevent confusion, heartbreak, and trauma by, by getting this done? And the answer is unequivocally yes. So... But to be fair, you know, if you did spend your whole day thinking about all the bad things that could possibly happen to you, you wouldn't get out of bed. That's right. You'd just stay there in a lump. 
you know, so you, you got to have some optimism. You yeah. got to have some reasonable denial, I think, of uh, all the bad stuff in the world. Uh, because, I mean, we go day in, day out, and we're, and we're just fine, too. That's the other thing. But it is, uh, I think it does make a lot of sense, as you say, uh, to give some possible thinking. You know, it's the same reason why we would have insurance, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't think you're going to get into a car accident, and God willing, you never will. But if you did, that's where the insurance kicks in. So the will is kind of like insurance in a way. That's exactly right. Yep. It, it ensures that your best hopes for the distribution of your worldly possessions, including money or real estate or anything else that you own, and the care for minor children will be just exactly the way you want. And also that um, your remains will be managed and handled in a way that is in accordance with your desire and no other way. And it, it can just be a nightmare for many people who do not have that um, written out. So that's number one. A will is, um, I, I also tell people, a will is one of those things that even though um, it brings up the specter of the end of life, um, it is not something you have to prepare for by going through a great deal of trouble. Because 99% of the decisions, you already know the answer to all the questions about the decisions. Like, who are you going to leave your jewelry to? Or who are you going to leave the car to? Or if you own a house, who are you going to leave the house to? Or who are you going to leave the money to? You already know the answers to those questions. It's not like you're going to be going through your list of friends and relatives and looking for people to whom you can leave $5. No, you're going to, you already know who it is. So... My questionnaire that I used to use and my colleagues use, you know, typically addresses basically just getting all of that information into one place. So it's easy for the practitioner, the legal practitioner, to put all in a document that makes sense. So do you, does that make sense, sense what I'm saying? I mean, it's really, it's not mysterious. Um, it seems, I think, mysterious and um, onerous because it reminds people of death. So that's that's what the will is. The living will is more appropriately appropriately and correctly called a healthcare directive, and um, the healthcare directive is has absolutely nothing to do with the will. I mean, they're completely separate documents. There's the will that talks about worldly possessions, and healthcare directive is basically you can think of it as a um, sort of a recipe or a manual um, or a set of directions for someone whom you will appoint for your health care should you be unable to care for yourself. It doesn't appoint that person. All it does is set out what you want. So it's a lot like the will. And the reason that it's it's misnamed a living will is because it, it, it deals with also very grave issues, but during the period of time when you're alive, whereas the will deals with issues after you've passed. Okay, so that's why it's sometimes referred to as a living will, but it's really called the healthcare directive. And what it says is things like, uh, I do want CPR 
um, administered to me or I don't want CPR administered to me or I do want hydration or I don't want hydration. You know, they, I want some fluids. If, if I'm near death, I do want fluids. Um, if I uh, am in a situation where I need to be fed intravenously or through a tube or those kinds of things, I do want that or I don't want that. And those things, to some extent, are um, governed by law, and some of them are not. Um, but there is a very, very wide range of um, requests that you can make of this person you appoint. So that's a healthcare hmm. directive, and that. Um, that so that's what a healthcare directive is. It's 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 kind of a will for while you're alive. Yeah. That's actually something that I hadn't considered. I don't have a will because I don't have kids, and uh, so I don't really care what happens to my stuff after I'm gone. I'm hoping somebody adopts my cats. You know, that's essentially how it is. But you make a very valid point about the uh, the health document uh, because uh, we had that. You know, we had that huge case of the. This was maybe 10 years ago. Was it that long ago? Do you know what I'm talking about? The woman that got into an accident and she was uh, yes. in a coma and brain damaged. And her her husband said that she had said that she wanted them to pull the plug and didn't want to be kept alive on life support as a vegetable. And her family said, no, we want her to, you know, stay alive and stay, uh, you know, um being fed and et cetera and kept alive on life support. And they were at loggerheads and they were in the courts fighting this out. And if she had a, a living document, then that wouldn't have happened because it, it would have explained what she wanted done with her. So that's exactly right. Yeah. Her name was Terry Shivo. That's right. Terry right. Shivo. Yeah. And, and um, that, that's a great, that's a great example to talk about. It's exactly what you're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. If, if there had been something in, you know, signed off by Terry uh, ahead of time that her husband had had possession of, it yeah. says, you know, should I, and usually it takes the um, approval of two doctors to uh, provide opinions about the person's um, health care status. Usually have to reach a certain status in order for this to operate. So... Um, levels of uh, unconsciousness, um, prognosis for mm-hmm. actually coming out of, you know, deep comas or the things, you know, re- um, recovery, those kinds of things. <clears throat> so that all, assuming that that had all been done in the case of Mrs. Shivo, um, her husband, yes, could have avoided and her family could have avoided. And, right. you know, he, and, and, you know, this is kind of a good segue into what I was going to talk about sort of towards the end of this segment, but this is the, it's a very good example of if she just had the conversation and you know what, she probably didn't want to, mm. she had it with her husband, right. but she, you know, there probably was some, who knows, maybe it was a religious preference. Maybe it was, you know, the way that she was brought up, who knows why, there may have been some discomfort or maybe she just never got around to it mm-hmm. speaking with her family. But it's really important to have that nucleus. And maybe she know. just thought, I mean, we're speculating here, obviously, yes. but maybe she just thought that the law enabled her husband to make that choice and, and not, uh, you know, have, 
have input from her family necessarily. Um, and I guess that was, uh, you know, a case that really brought it into the, the light of the public that, uh, you know, that's it's not necessarily as cut and dried as that unless you have uh, the document. That's right. It's it's similar to what I was saying before about the young woman who told me that, well, if I die, my children and my stuff will go to my husband. I mean, you know, right. of course. And, you know, the, the fact is that you have to go at least a couple more rings out and say, OK, well, what if everyone you've you've talked about in your will to plan B to get? Yeah, you got to have exactly you got to have plan B. Plan C sometimes, you know, so. Well, plan A for us is that we got to take a break. Oh, okay. And we'll come right back with okay. more of the Pearson Law Hour brought to you by Walk the Talk with Kim here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Stay tuned. More of this fascinating discussion to come. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jerry Pearson, and at our firm, whether we're working on an automobile crash case or helping a client who's been injured by a defective product, we focus on justice. We're passionate about serving our clients. Our successful approach focuses on the right issue at the right time. With the best tools and expertise available, we focus on collaboration and cooperation. Clients support that process, and they respect our abilities to manage the legal process, to demystify it, and to explain choices and opportunities, and also their responsibilities. Contact us at 1-800-423-8473 or pearsonlawfirm.com. That's P-E-A-R-S-O-N lawfirm.com. Or you can check us out at walkthetalkwithkim.com. Does your organization crave new ideas? ThinkShop can help. For 16 years, ThinkShop has inspired creative thinking at Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, and nonprofits. We help you imagine new offerings, strategies, or ways of doing business. Our proven processes and engaging workshops deliver powerful results. Learn more at thinkshop.com. Are you stuck? Are you plagued by a toxic relationship? Are you frustrated with a lack of motivation? Workforce Evolution offers classes that explain why people behave the way they do and how to change patterns that wreak havoc on business and relationships in order to accelerate innovation and creativity. Go to WorkforceEvolution.com to find out how you can join a free class. That's WorkforceEvolution.com or call 425-888-9790. 1150 KKNW.com, your connection to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to the Pearson Law Hour, brought to you by Walk the Talk with Kim, which returns next week here on Alternative Talk, 1150 in this time slot. And Michelle Pearson from the Pearson Law Firm is your host today. Thank you. So um, we were talking about uh, living wills and the yeah. difference between the will that uh, um, gives people uh, an idea of what you want to have done with, um, w- which directs the distribution of your possessions mm-hmm. after your death, and the living will or the health care directive that um, directs the preservation of you while you're living. Um, and the management of your health care by someone else. 
And one of the things that I was talking about was the difficult conversation that um, I think is, I, I call it that because it's an uncomfortable conversation that uh, one needs to have with their friends and family to make sure that a, the family and friends know that there's a will, that there's a health care directive, and there are these other end-of-life documents, but also what they say so that um, people aren't surprised, especially in the, in the case where you have um, parents with adult children. It seems like that's the biggest area of dispute, where an elderly parent passes and there are adult children who are surprised that, for instance, they didn't get the farm or they didn't get the house or they didn't get the Mercedes or they didn't get the condo in Maui or whatever. So to the extent that someone can have those conversations, it's a really good idea to let the adult children know what the, the intentions are. Because I know for myself, and I hope this, true, this is true for most people, you do not want to leave your family in disarray and in quarreling. You want them to be able to grieve and move on. You don't want them to quarrel about what you've left behind. So the other two uh, documents that I was talking about earlier of the four that we haven't talked about yet are the um, power of attorney for health care and the power of attorney for financial matters. The power of attorney for health care works directly with the health care directive, which is what we were talking about just before the break. The health care directive, again, is the, the manual for, your, for the care of your physical body for you uh, prior to your death when you are unable to make those decisions for yourself. So it's the manual, but it it um, it appoints no one. All it does is it gives someone the the recommendations that that you had the directives directives that you have set out. The power of attorney actually appoints someone to take the healthcare directive and use it as you would use it if you were alive, if you were able. I'm sorry. So, uh, for instance, let's use an example. Um, there's a you know an elderly woman who's got multiple health problems. She's in an assisted living, and um, one or two of these multiple health problems becomes so emergent that she is unable to remain conscious. She's not able to make her own decisions anymore, and she has um, set out in the, in her healthcare directive that she does not want CPR. Uh, she does not want hydration, and she does not want tube feeding if she is in a situation where two doctors have already provided an opinion that she will not regain consciousness. Okay, so the person now who is in her power of attorney for health care steps up and basically becomes her agent for her health care according to the wishes that she set out in the healthcare directive. Now, the reason that I'm talking about this, this power of attorney for healthcare, is that power of attorney is one of those things that is a soundbite. People think they know what it is, and it is very, very, very 
I would say more often than not confused with a power attorney for something else, usually having to do with money. Okay, this power of attorney has nothing to do with money. And other powers of attorney usually have a lot to do with money. So, again, I've spoken to um, people in hospitals uh, who, on a pretty routine basis, will have a family member say, yeah, 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 I have a power of attorney, while their, pers- while their loved one has slipped into a coma. And then they find out, the hospital personnel find out, they don't have a power of attorney for health care. They have a power of attorney for finances. Well, the power of attorney for finances is completely and totally irrelevant in this situation and useless. What it, what the power of attorney for finances does is it, as it indicates by its name, basically turns one person into another person for the the specific purpose that is set out in the power of attorney. So, for instance, I have a limited power of attorney on all of my representation agreements with clients, and that limited power of attorney, what it says is the client agrees that they are um, approving me as an agent for one or two things, very, very, very specific things. If it were just a power of attorney, it would mean that I could take a power of attorney document and basically go to their bank accounts, I could go to their mortgage accounts, I could go to their credit cards. If I had a power of attorney that basically said, um, this person has, you know, Michelle Pearson has the right um, to go into all of my finances. So a power of attorney for finance is a very, very powerful document, and so... Before anybody ever signs one of those, I always tell them, please have someone look at it. Please have someone look at it. So um, a power of attorney in a healthcare situation um, is extremely important because without it, your healthcare directive um, has absolutely no uh, impact, it has no effect. So you have to pick someone to be your agent so that they can take all of the things that you've set out in your healthcare directive and actually um, go through those actions. The power of attorney for financial would help them in the case of your death or your um, incompetence or unconscious state to go into your bank accounts. And again, the financial document can be drawn up in such a way so that you can prescribe exactly what it is that you want them to be able to do and when you want them to be able to do it. But I can't stress strongly enough that, you know, if if people have end-of-life documents out there and they think they have what they need, they need to review them. And end-of-life documents should be reviewed at least every three to four years because there are changes in the law really commonly. Um, tax laws can change how things are distributed. Uh, anybody with a fair amount of um, of money or real estate really needs to be checking with their attorney on a pretty regular basis, but they would know that. Um, so do you have any questions, either of you, about the difference between the healthcare power of attorney and the financial? Or is it pretty clear? I think my only question is if, you know, one day I hope to be married, 
would I still need to go through the power of attorney financial to do anything with my husband in that sort of way? Or what? what's the difference between that? Okay, so I think what you're asking is, um, in this state, wouldn't your husband be able to to uh, act on your behalf mm-hmm. without the power of attorney? In some cases, yes, but in some cases, perhaps not. It depends how you own property. Um, it depends whether you have some sort of a, you know, prenuptial agreement. Sounds like consulting attorney and uh, making some plans is always a good idea. Yes. We've got to run because we're out of time for today. Okay. But uh, you'll be back with us next month, right? Yes, I will. For another edition of the Pearson Law Hour. And Kim Ariano will be back with us next week for another edition of Walk the Talk with Kim. Quickly before we go, Michelle, would you like to give out your website? My website is pearsonlawfirm.com. Make it a beautiful day. Thank you. 